Hi guys, Joey, your pastor with no answers, with a special episode of Pastor with No Answers. We'll be interviewing a former Mars Hill Church woman. We'll introduce her to you here in a second, but we are planning on hearing from many folks that were part of Mars Hill Church, pastored by Mark Driscoll in Seattle, Washington. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about our purpose through the duration of the show. But I wanted to also give everyone an opportunity to send in your stories. So if you are part of Mars Hill Church, feel free to email mhstories at badchristian.com. That's mhstories at badchristian.com. All right, so we're here with Jennifer Smith, and did I say that correctly? Yes, you did, and Jen is fine. All right, Jen, and um, yeah, Jen, thanks for sharing some of your time with us and um, diving into, I'm sure, a lot of painful things, and and that that's kind of I, I want to start with your pain. How about that? Mm. Now, you know what what kind of emotions at this point? happen in your mind and in your heart when you when you hear Mars Hill Church or you right. hear Mark Driscoll uh you know w- w- how do you process that well like um the first word i think that jumps to mind is anxious yeah um is raw is uh passionate is like um and then i think a little bit of shame actually because yeah. i feel like i should be done um it was going on, so so May will be three years since Phil was fired and our family was kicked out of the church. Yeah. Um, and uh, so shame actually is a is is also a predominant emotion because I have um, just a real um, conflicting feelings about I should be over this, and yet every single time, without fail, when we are in a group of people. Unless they are complete strangers, somehow Mars Hill Church comes up. Wow. Um, we, you know, there's some comrades that we really went through war with that we purposefully talk about it with. And then it comes up tangentially in, we're at an, our Anglican church and someone notices that we know somebody and it, it's just, we can't escape it. Yeah. So I guess I feel also like um, it's time to... Um, Heal. I, I've done a lot of healing in my heart, but yeah. it is time to um, contribute in whatever way I can to a bigger conversation and right. be honest right. without um, in a dignified way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, what what in your opinion um, would have hold held you back this time six months ago? Like, if someone said, "Hey, you need to talk about this," what what would be your response to that as to why you you weren't ready? Uh, fear. Yeah. Fear. And, and also, you know, my husband and I are very different people and he has a different take on, on what, how he needs to and wants to process this. So honestly, some healing, um, in terms of just my own, um, sense of self and that I can make a different decision. I can be on a different timeline as my husband. And that was, I I am a separate individual. I'm a a female with a voice and I don't need his permission. Like, in fact, we were just, we were married almost 24 years ago. We were actually cringing at the fact that we had that phrase 
um, where I said to him, I will obey him. Right. And we kind of laugh about that now. There's just, um, I, I probably will refer, refer to my therapist a lot. Yeah. Um, that six months ago, um, I was just beginning to realize it was okay to talk about myself and right. be honest and have a voice. Right. I mean, your, your husband has given you permission. He's in the room guarding over all your words, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, well, give us give us a little Cliff Notes version of just how you guys got involved at Mars Hill and just the the progression of him working there, and then then how everything crumbled. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will attempt to keep it concise because a twenty, you know, an eighteen plus year story is is tough. We were newly married in um, ninety two ninety. Uh, we were going to Antioch Bible Church, and we had heard of Driscoll. We hadn't met him, but yeah. and we heard with through mutual friends of a church plant um, that this Mars Hill thing was happening. We didn't feel totally at home at Antioch, so we decided to give it a shot. So spring of '96, yeah, uh, we started attending. Um, we're drawn in by. Mark, we're drawn in by the vision. We're drawn in by something different. Um, this is literally what a couple months after it started. Didn't ninety? Wasn't it ninety six when Mars Hill was birthed? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like six months or so prior to that. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I was I was pregnant with our first um, kid, and they met up in this um, really hot um, attic room, and yeah. I honestly couldn't even go half the time because so. Phil was there. We were feeling like we were going to be a part of this. Um, Marcella had its first official launch service in October of 96. Yeah. And our first child then was born November of 96. Wow. So he carried for the 18 years that we were there. Um, there's a picture of him in one of Driscoll's books, a picture of our family. He was the first baby born at Mars Hill. Wow. And that was, um, yeah, both yeah, for good and for bad. That's so. So you're was. you're speaking of a perspective of of someone who was actually very close to Mark Driscoll and the Driscoll family. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Me. Clo- yeah. Me. Me closer to Grace than right. Phil, Mark, but and right. our kids were very close. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So um yeah so. I, honestly, those those first few years, probably, I was kind of sketching out a timeline this morning because there's so much. But yeah. um, 97 through about 2006, we're involved at one point um, and loving it. Really, I mean, we had deep friendships and a, a wonderful sense of community and honesty. And it, it was really a special, special time. Yeah. And I've... Um, was so much good all the way through there were certainly was was good but we um were raising kids we were we were the also the oldest couple at Mars Hill for yeah. quite a while so there was a lot that went on that we were kind of just raising our family at one point mark said hey i really am i'm really um needing some elders and so on the way home from church i'm like well phil what do you what do you think <laughs> And as I was reflecting on it this morning, I realized what's actually true is that I wanted to be an elder. I yeah. wanted, I'm a visionary and I wanted to somehow help contribute and grow and lead it. And I knew as a woman, I couldn't do that. Right. So I pushed Phil and he's like, no way, I'm, I'm not interested. Several years later, um, God put on his heart probably a, a year before to consider being an elder. And he didn't speak to me or anyone of it for six months. And then... Um, 
had a, another elder kind of encouraged him, pushed him along, and he really he just couldn't shake it. And yeah. Phil's not that kind of guy. I'm impulsive. He's careful. Right. Um, entered the so became you know at Mars Hill it was always you know you've got to nominate yourself. You've got to feel called, and we train the called, not call the trained. Right. Um, so he did four or five months of one uh, one on one and in a small group with Driscoll just listening to Driscoll talk and, um, and then he was installed as an elder. That was like 2006. Yeah. So we were enjoying it. That was great. We had some major, um, marriage, uh, work that needed to be done. We sat down with one of the elders in his elder assessment and, and I had a past, a really intense past. Phil didn't. Um, and anytime I wanted him to talk about it, he, he was like, yeah, Jen, I, I love you anyway. I forgive you. And I'm like, right. you don't even know what you're forgiving me right. for. So confronted by an elder and and really some amazing stuff in our marriage uh, that happened. Uh, he, he was about the same time installed as an elder. And we we were blown away by that kind of privilege and status that came with that instantly. Right. Like the day after he we were we boarded a private jet and we flew down to California for our elders retreat. A private jet. Goodness gracious. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. L- l- let me stop you right there and ask if someone, yeah. if someone at that time, so let's say 2006, 2007 or so at that time, if somebody were to come to you with some skepticism about Mark Driscoll and, you know, his teachings about male headship and, and just, you know, or, or like, Going after Mark Driscoll, pretty much theologically and just as a person, how how would you have responded at that point? I would have defended him. Yeah, I would have said, and and, and believe me, I've thought about this so many times. I think we craved um, and appreciated being told what to do, being being given some kind of black and white. This is the how it looks, and this is this is how you can follow and how you can, um, I would have defended him. I would have, some part of me would have wanted to say, but I'm not sure. But already at that point, I was, we were pretty dominated kind of by the fear of speaking out of realizing that there were consequences to that. Um, so I, I would have, I, I cringe now at the way I, I would have answered then. Yeah. So, so there was early on though, something deep down saying, I, I, I think all this is legit. Like, I think this stuff is what he's teaching is, is true. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I mean, it, there, there was, because, because early on, I think there was much less of an undertone of agenda right. that came along. I, there was, there was compelling, truthful, powerful teaching yeah. done oh, yeah. and and it was transformative for our marriage and right. we were both so um yeah but i also think right about that time as phil became an elder and we we popped into this next level of of um of leadership and and presence and and being seen it it was immediately also kind of disconcerting like wow this i never imagined this right 
Yeah. We never imagined and we weren't ever on board with or even aware of that we'd get to 15,000 and, you know, mega church was coming. That's 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 more my flair and style. But Phil is absolutely not that guy. Right. And so it was it was confusing. Right. So over over time, uh, like with with eldership at at this level or I, I don't know if at this point there were multiple campuses, but what was. What was Phil's day to day involving Driscoll? Like, was he uh, uh, around him pretty regularly in, in meetings, or you know, was his position kind of more removed from Mark? Yeah. So Phil is like one of he entered in was like when there were fifteen elders. Right. So it was a small group at that time. We met at their house. The wives met in one house. Spot the guys met in the other. He was he was around Driscoll a fair amount, but Phil and Driscoll couldn't be more different. Yeah. So in fact, I think the one word of wisdom that Driscoll had from when he became an elder was, "Yeah, your your issue is going to be probably not speaking up enough." Yeah. So you you know so think through that. But I think he also saw Phil as reasonable. In fact, he at, at the end he used that word regularly, like Phil, you're so reasonable. What's your problem and Phil it at that point just utterly pissed Phil off um, wow. because it it felt so it felt like a controlling maneuver and by no means a compliment and it, it, it that it was not a joke like that sounds more like a joke you, that was a that was a sincere cr- critique by Mark you're so reasonable oh, I, yeah wow <laughs> I've yeah. never I've never heard reasonable as a cut down <laughs> Hey, right, you, you you know what? You need to be a little less reasonable, please. We need it. Right. We need less reasoning. <laughs> but that's but that's just exactly it. Right. Phil was quiet for so long. Driscoll miscalculated him as reasonable, and in the very end, when what Driscoll hoped so much from him was this reasonableness, yeah, Phil had the truth and a fire ignited in him. He's like, don't you dare call me reasonable because this is reason and you're not listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's, yeah. it's a paradox. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. And absolutely. it's very, very manipulative to label someone that way and expect them to stay in that role. Yeah. And sadly, Phil did for a long time. Yeah. There's just, gosh, there's so many things I want to ask <laughs> you. And I also want to let you get on with your story. But at this, like, in retrospect, yes, was something like that statement, do you believe calculated? So you said manipulative. Do you think it was a calculated manipulation? Like, is, is Mark Driscoll so smart? Because I do believe he's a very smart guy, but was he using, was he using his intelligence early on for manipulation on purpose? I can't, obviously. I can only guess at that but um yes yeah i think because because in in elder meeting one um what phil was in was in the room and completely out of left field driscoll and he hadn't even spoken completely out of left field driscoll zings at him and says well they were discussing whether or not another man should be brought to the elder board and completely out of left field Driscoll turns on Phil and says to the elder who um, 
what did they call it? Sponsored him said, yeah. well, you bought, you brought this Phil guy in and all he's, he's good for is counseling. So I think he, wow. I think he saw him as not a threat, which he, which was fine, but really not an asset necessarily right. just, um, so I, I, I don't know if it was purposeful. I believe it became more and more calculated as things continued to grow bigger and, and power inflated. Um, but I do believe early on that he th- thought through even those moves. Yeah. So I, obviously, Phil wouldn't be this guy, but was there anyone that, you know, in your opinion, was there anyone that Mark Driscoll purposely invited into his life to push back and 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 at this point say hey mark seriously dude you you can't say stuff like that man that's that's just a little too overboard or hey mark did you think about such and such man what what this could mean i think the people you know was there anybody in his close quarters that could have those sorts of conversations in your opinion in my opinion early on one of the other founders leaf moy I think did that and then has his own story and fell away and wasn't, you know, by this time was either gone or close to gone. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Jamie Munson is my brother. Okay. Um, I, he was super young. I mean, we, he moved out to Seattle to live with us. We introduced him to Mars Hill. Right. He was then the executive pastor for a lot of years, very close to Driscoll. I believe that Jamie actually, even though he was young and, and, you know, that's all his story to tell. But I actually do believe that Jamie provided um, a bit of a buffer and a balance. I don't know how much Driscoll listened to him, but I believe that he wasn't, um, I think he believed that he had a role to buffer some of, some of Driscoll's um, plans and, and, delusions (laughs) delusions <laughs> yeah yeah did did your brother did your real quick did your brother write the uh financial book i think there was a finance, money yeah yeah yeah. okay gotcha, yes, gotcha. He did. Yeah, i knew i knew that uh name from somewhere okay let me yeah. let you get back to your story so i think we're in 2006 2007 people are speaking into your marriage and uh yeah i i had one of the infamous demon trials um with driscoll oh wow the, you, tell me more we could be here for hours um i am an i I, i'd say that i'm an easily um i'm incredibly passionate and emotional i think some of my shame comes from the fact that in some ways i'm actually quite a bit like driscoll yeah we did we did not have the marriage where you know, the guy was type A and kind of like Driscoll and the woman. So we always we always had kind of conflict and a hard time finding our way. Right. I think we did very well in the end. But so I'm um, just struggling a lot with um, I have had a lot of um, physical ailments, like 18 surgeries. Our, our marriage is is struggling. I'm um, hearing, you know, according to the diagnostic uh, assessment. I'm hearing voices. They must be demons. Phil is utterly skeptical, but I'm hearing from both Mark and Grace. Um, in fact, a direct word from Mark at one point, Jen, 
your ministry would be so powerful if you would stop believing lies. Wow. So, so seed planted. Grace told me she thought it would be a good thing. And so I'm, I'm like all on board. I want to be out of this torment. I'm let's go, Phil. And it took him some months. He finally sat down with, with Driscoll and said, okay, what is this thing? I'm really skeptical. Driscoll said, do you trust me? And at that point, Phil said, yeah, I, I guess so. Let's, let's do it. So right. we met for, se- we met for several hours. Um, he spoke, he asked, um, questions of me about generational sin. And, uh, you know, I have a pretty intense story of childhood sexual abuse. Yeah. And, um, he called out the demons within me. And I, I will say honestly that I, I, I think I felt like I was performing a little bit. Yeah. Um, like, okay, he's asking these questions. There must be something there. I got to go with it. Right. The nugget the, the, the beautiful piece that came out of that for me was um, when he asked the demon, if you will, why has your plan to destroy Jen not worked right. out of my mouth? Not in, you know, my head didn't spin around and and I didn't speak in a different voice. But yeah. out of my mouth came the words, she's not ours. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's since then. So it was it felt like a powerful experience probably because it was the one and only time that Driscoll seemed pastoral to me. And we never had a pastor really yet. And it was a kind and, and, uh, pastoral moment. How how Um, do you, how do you reflect on that now? Like, do you, do you think that, that was, um, my, that was me. That was, those were not demons speaking through me. That was my, self-hatred, my, you know, I mean, I could go into all of that, but I I don't believe that. I believe that it was a powerful moment and and God used it to, to really help clarify some identity issues for me, but I, it was just me. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I was, um, I was, I think utterly manipulated and, and that is part of where my passion can go when it's unhealthy Um, I felt loved by Mark. I felt special because nobody got time with Mark one-on-one for three hours or two-on-one. Right. I had another elder's wife tell me that they felt envious of that because you just didn't get time like that with Mark. Right. Now, do you, you, like, with what you just said about his time, do you see that as more of a wise thing that that Mark Driscoll obviously just couldn't couldn't do it all or is is that shed some negative light on his unwillingness to to interact with people that are helping him lead the church or you know how do you reflect on that I reflect on that as that Mark's Mark is a brilliant man and a excellent orator um I I don't I don't know that I ever experienced, I don't know how much of a shepherd he is. So sure, you can't do it all, but you'd think you would make sure that the people are close around you leading the church, get your time and effort. And honestly, some did, did, but it it, it was very strategic. We weren't, Phil was not close enough to, Phil was not enough of a mover and a shaker 
for Driscoll to bother with. Yeah. Ironically, I, I love this. What Phil had was relational authority and Driscoll and the other more outspoken men had positional authority. Yeah. And in That's the it. end, Phil's relational authority um, uh, was, as my 10-year-old daughter at the time said, um, wow, mom, it kind of seems like dad was that final Jenga piece yeah. that when you wow. pull it out, things start to crumble. Wow. And not because he or I were anything special. We spent time with people and he had relational authority. And when people saw that go down, it scared the hell out of them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, so keep let's keep so moving back. forward with uh, the story. Sorry. Um, no, I'm the one getting you off on these rabbit trails. No, no, it's fine. So we were in, and Phil and I have reflected on this, 2009. So then the whole, and again, their story to tell, but the whole Petri-Meyer firing went down. Um, the bylaws were rewritten, and that's, you know, a pretty out there, you know, a pretty common, if you know the history of Mars Hill yeah. at all, that's... That's a big event. Yeah, so 2009 is basically when he he changed the 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 church law in in a way where <clears throat> where he had more control and no one could fire him. I mean, is that yeah. basically the gist? Yeah, and the 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 power differential shifted from the elder board to the first among equals was a favorite phrase to be used, um, and there was a consolidation of power from. You know, the number dwindled, I think, from seven to five to eventually three executive elders. Wow. And we did not see, um, there was, that felt gross to us. And yeah. it was tragic because it was a loss of people that we loved. One of those pastors, Bent Meyer, was the one that had said to Phil, I believe you should think about eldership like we yeah. need we need some men like you well real quick those last two uh out of those last two did either one of them stay till the end in, uh, in, no so they're gone too at some point oh the the petri myers yeah the last yeah. two you said that they dwindled down to two executive elders at some point oh, no. did, did those three. two guys quit okay three um, but that those names morphed over time. In the end, um, it was Mark Driscoll, Sutton Turner, and Dave Bruscus. And and those two guys, did they stay with him until until the very end, supporting him? Um, yes and no. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And and you know, it, it was a few years later. It was that. It was that. Um, Trinity, Adam. That was yeah, the Marshall yeah. Trinity for the last three or four years. When Jamie left, um, Sutton Turner was hired. They worked together for a little while, and then Jamie decided to leave, and Sutton was moved into the role of executive pastor and, and executive elder. All right, so at this point, how, how, how exposed was this, um, I don't know, political move, legal move, uh, to the Mars Hill congregation, how exposed was it in a negative light? Were there a lot of people thinking, huh, that that's, doesn't seem right. We don't really like this. Or was it yeah. kind of done in a way where people were manipulated into thinking it was a good move? 
Yeah, both and. Yeah. Um, because there were people, there were people very close to both of those um, elder couples yeah. that were utterly um, destroyed and, yeah. and left. There was a there was a big purging. In fact, there was also at that time um, a decision to let's just let's just purge the books of me- members and let's just have everybody re up. Yeah. Like, let's see how committed everybody is. And uh, many people left. Um, many people felt confused but stayed. Um, is that you and, and Phil? Would y'all fit yeah. in that category? Yeah. 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 Coupled with this is, this is, becomes, enters the, the phase, I think, of self-preservation. Right. Like, we, we love it here. There's some good things happening. It's Phil's job. He's left teaching. Right. Um, our whole world revolves around Mars Hill. Right. Um, you know, so kind of that the good outweighs the bad yep. for, for quite a few years. Yep. It was, it was, it was painful though. Yep. Um, and we have since gone back to both of those couples, um, and asked for their forgiveness and really boiled it down to like, we just didn't love you. We didn't love you. Well, we were right. immature and confused. We didn't know what to do. And we decided to preserve ourselves. Yeah. Gotcha. So then Phil and I entered this really fruit Phil's on staff. Um, he did do one year of lay eldership. He's on staff and we enter this really rich, um, fun, redemptive period of time where he's the pastor over pre-marrieds. Um, ironically, we got very little premarital counsel except for like, wow, you two are really different. Yeah. You know, and then, yeah, like good luck. And, and, and there we were. Um, so really some, some great things that happened in our marriage and we got the privilege of teaching, um, the premarital class together. We wrote a curriculum. I started, um, really kind of discovered this love of writing and I was contributing to the Mars Hill blog a lot and yeah. to resurgence. It was a, a fun and rich time, um, it was a, a bit scandalous and kind of the, I, because I taught, I taught the men, right. um, in the pre-marrieds and in multiple elders meetings, several men brought up like, what's Jen, is this okay? What's Jen doing teaching men? <laughs> um, so that was, you know, that was, but Phil and I, um, I think we represented a different type of marriage than Mark and Grace did. And right. I think it actually was refreshing and helpful to people. Um, in, and, and that's what, you know, did Mark, do you think feedback that we got? Yeah. Do you think Mark and Grace recognized that and, uh, celebrated that? Or is that something they probably didn't even realize that you guys were kind of carrying a different DNA of marriage? Yeah. Um, I don't know that Mark necessarily recognized it. I think Mark liked that when either one of us wrote, it got lots of hits on the, on the blog or whatever. He appreciated that. But on a, on a personal level, no, I, Grace and I were friends enough that she knew, um, that I was, I I think she appreciated it. Yeah. I, I could be very wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you proceed. Yeah. Um, somewhere in there. So I, I, in my timeline, I have these, some stars that are like, these are the red flags that popped up and that we suppressed. I remember watching the movie, um, 42, yeah. the Jackie Robinson movie. Yeah. And there's a phrase in there about where he says, 
um, you need to submerge yourself to serve the greater good. Yeah. And I think I did that in particular for a lot of years because of how women were viewed. And But more and more these issues started coming up. We went to SPU and we heard a talk on um, character versus charisma driven leaders. Yeah. And we just both walked out of there just dizzied, like, holy cow, we are following a charisma driven leader with very little character. Right. How do we, I mean, just so that was, that was a point, the whole, um, you know, the power differential that we saw continue to shift over time. 2012-ish, more and more pastors that we respected were leaving, and the reasons for leaving were either not shared or they were spun. Um, then we saw some pastors being fired that we, um, Jamie left, and, and for me, obviously, he's my brother, there was some trust there, even though outside of church and family events, Phil and, and Jamie and I never talked about Marcella was kind of the undiscussable topic. Yeah. Um, just more and more red flags. Um, the June, I remember it like it was yesterday, uh, June 11th, um, 2013, yeah. there was, um, a, a Ballard and elders and wives meeting that yeah. the, the executive elders, the three men were invited to. And they, they came in the room and it, it just was this, it just, by that time I had such a, um, I was starting even to be done at that time, right. such a, and just increasing tension. And I realized I'd never met Sutton. I'd never met one of the men. Right. And, and I knew Mark like, a you know, well, but so I, there's maybe 20 people in the room and I thought at least they would introduce themselves, but there was just this assumption like, well, of course you know who we are and yeah. it doesn't really matter who you are. Yeah. And so I was, I, I, I felt agitated yeah. about it. So in true Jen Flair without calculatedly not saying anything to Phil because I knew he would stop me. I went over to um, the man I hadn't met, Sutton, um, and and introduced myself and yeah. started talking. And um, he was a little vulnerable about some things and kind of real. So I, so I, I'm, I took that as an invitation to be so also. And I said to him, um, man, we've been here a long time and we really have seen a lot of changes over the years. And at this point, I'm feeling like Mars Hill, the church and, and Mars Hill, the business are two really separate entities. Yeah. And I, I said to him, Mars Hill, the business may not need men like my husband, but Mars Hill church certainly does. Yeah. That's such an and, important distinction. Yeah. And the, I had this like rush of adrenaline, like I felt very brave and bold, but I also felt scared to death. I told one of my closest friends that I'd done it and she was really like, holy cow, Jen, you, good job. I'm terrified for you. Yeah. And the next day, then the next morning, Phil received a call at home and was tongue lashed and, um, accused of not keeping his household in order, told that he was reminding, I reminded uh, him of a woman at a church in Texas that was trying to take over the church. And this was huge, a problem. And there were hints that he could be fired. 
because of his out of control wife. I mean, that am I missing something? That doesn't even seem out of control. Sounds like a uh, somewhat of a wise assessment. I mean, but but that's but that was not welcome. Right. That was not. I two things. I will admit. Um, I can have a bit of a savior complex and I'm kind of a wordsmith. So I, I think a lot of my head, like if I could just say this to this person, I I, I'm sure they'd see the light. Right. So there was that motivation for me a tiny bit. Uh, I I own that. Um, there was probably, so probably, I guess you can flat out call that pride. Um, I also believe that there was some, some real courage and bravery in that to, say what I was feeling. And this, I mean, mind you, this is a place that I loved. We'd been, we dedicated so much of our adult lives to it. And I'm not the kind of person who will go away quietly. So, and and my timing was bad. I I will admit that too. My timing was bad because the three executive elders after eating some pizza were going up on stage to address the Ballard Gotcha. Uh, congregation. So my timing was not good, right. but I did not yell at him. I right. didn't, I spoke the truth. Right. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, and so was that, uh, was that Mark that called and talked to Phil? No. Okay. No, it was Sutton. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, he, and, and again, to this day, I've never spoken in person to Sutton Turner besides that moment. Yeah. But, but that kicked off a year long, um, a year long, restoration slash discipline process for me. Yeah. I was immediately sidelined from all teaching and writing. Um, and, and I will, I will just frankly say that my, my writing was often more well-read than Mark's. It was often, I believe strategically, or at least for me, it was a pride thing. It was often, um, backed like sandwiched between things Mark had written that I believe felt like uh, here's a woman who Mark is okay with using her voice. And I I, I don't know, I felt very used in a lot of that. Yeah. Um, And maybe that's, maybe that's Stephanie's issue, but that's another story. So you and you and uh, Sutton's, lack of communication is that is that on you is that on him is that i mean was there just no attempt either way um oh i mean that morning the 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 phone call and phil hung up just utterly um terrified of losing his job and 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 angry at kind of the light that i was cast in it it kicked off this email text loop between um the lead pastor of ballard who was phil's boss and the three at least two of the three executive elders talking about my sin of of ministry idolatry um that i just needed i needed to be silenced and backed away from um i was allowed to send an email of repentance uh to sutton and i did um and but there was just this indefinite, you may not represent Mars Hill Church in any way. Um, in fact, a personal dinner invitation that I had with Elise Fitzpatrick from her canceled, not by me. Who's that? Um, Elise Fitzpatrick is an author who's written. Okay, um, gotcha. Yeah, bunch of bunch of books. Yeah. Um, and what what did you mean this, a second ago by you were allowed to send an email of repentance? I 
Did they tell I you wanted, otherwise? Did they tell I, you otherwise not to? No, they told me that that's what I could do. I okay. wanted to speak to him. I wanted to do gotcha. something okay, to make gotcha. this right. And what was allowed was you may send an email gotcha. if you feel like you want to repent. Um, and then Bill Clem will be in charge of your discipline and restoration plan. Gotcha. And so for months and months, I, I sat in this silence. So what was so hard is it, it really was all consuming. It was a desert for me. And right. I believe it was an utter grace from God to just put me because I was, I was grappling through and wrestling through a lot with him. Right. And he, you know, there, there probably was some ministry idolatry, but just the, the fact that it was now, I was never once except for at my, uh, behest spoken to by any of those men. Yeah. I had to make, through Phil, uh, correction, Phil had to make a request for an appointment um, so that we could talk it through. Because a year of, no, you may not do ministry, no, you may not do ministry, I was asked multiple times by other women in the church. At this time, there's many campuses. I've taught at most of them. Can Jen come? No, she can't. Well, why? Well, just because. Yeah. Um, I was I was really, I felt like one of the, you know, the dirty, separated lambs or goats that's outside of the outside of the camp yeah um and then yeah we had we had some convert we set up a meeting with dave we set up phil ended up meeting with sutton i actually didn't want to yeah um and then we ultimately had a meeting with driscoll because about uh, 11 months all of a sudden it was like oh you're fine you can yeah go teach go go right we we want you right but I took it so seriously when they pulled that privilege and that um, because I saw it as a really weighty responsibility and a leadership role. Right. And when they pulled it from me and then just kind of cavalierly said, oh, no, you're fine. I, I, I wasn't willing to go back into that without looking those men in the eyes, at least the two that knew me and say, do you really trust me? Is this really OK? Right. And what I learned is that it had consumed a year of my life and none of them, they barely remembered doing it. I mean, so it was, I see it as a total gift from God. It it really strengthened me and allowed me to withstand what happened a year later when Phil was fired um, and be much more unified with Phil. Phil and I were at serious odds for that whole year. Wow. Because he was, yeah, go ahead. Well, how was that? Did he kind of see their perspective and thought you were out of hand? No. Okay. He didn't want to, he knew that if he really spoke up hard and challenged it, which he did with with Bill Clem, his boss, but he knew if he challenged it hard, he would, we'd be gone. Wow. Um, And he will admit passivity in that, but also just the reality of he knew the climate better than I. Yeah. He said, I'm sorry, Jen, but th- you got to realize this is just not all that important to them. Right. It's, right. it's not a big deal and they're not going to take their time on it. And meanwhile, I, I'm really kind of feeling all this shame and suffering and silence and people are asking me where I've gone and I can't say much. This this total culture of shame and blame and secrecy, it was an incredibly difficult year and yeah. probably the year I grew the most. Wow. All right. So how, how, what, 
what happens between now and, and Phil getting fired? Um, I remember the day that the scales fell off of Phil's eyes. I was done. I was, I was almost begging him to just leave. It was so uncomfortable. Um, and at this point, was there a lot, you know, cause Matt, Matt Carter, my buddy who was super involved at, at Mars Hill, he was, you know, talking a, a good bit about it because that, a lot of his heart was invested him and his wife. And yeah. so he was telling me, man, you just, you would not believe such and such who just left, you know, they were just names to me, but then he would describe their role. And he's just like, you don't know how big of a deal this is. So at, at this point in which you're narrating, uh, had a lot of people left, like a lot of key people left. Yes. Okay. And people, people were confused and it was just a very heavy time. Yeah. Um, the average, probably the average, not average, but just your regular attender, depending on how long they'd been there and what they'd seen and heard, they varied from, you know, completely supportive and in the dark of anything strange going on to yeah. questioning every sermon and every week and agonizing over this decision about whether to leave or stay right. and watching people like Mike Wilkerson and Phil Smith, the, the real shepherds that they'd come to known for years watching to see whether or not those guys are leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Phil, Phil wasn't Mike left somewhere in that spring, um, which, which certainly made people question. But again, with that relational authority thing, they're like, well, Smith's still here. So Something's got, you know, yeah. let, let's just see what happens. Yeah. February of 14, the news broke about the fact that the um, real marriage book had been, you know, whatever is the true story there. We didn't know about it. I we didn't know about the contract to game or the New York Times bestseller right. list, or we just didn't know about any of that. We did know that we didn't like the book, Real Marriage, that it was a very awkward place for us as the pre-married people to not even want to recommend it. Right. Um, and, you know, so again, not subversively, but just honestly, we're kind of leading our charge and doing our thing at Ballard, um, you know, and ministering to dozens and hundreds of couples and watching the gray cloud above us turn more ominous and right. figuring out what to do. Yeah. We were we were sitting in the back of the Ballard, con um, listening to a teaching on church conflict, actually, um, by a woman, which was a beautiful and completely different move. Waiting on pins and needles for the letter that was coming out from Mark. Yeah. The the news had broken, and this letter um, from Mark was supposed to be coming to the elders, and then so we're sitting there waiting on pins and needles for it. This letter of addressing the issue, this letter of repentance. So it pops into Phil's inbox. He reads it, and I'm I remember trembling, thinking, "Please let there be something real in there. Like, please let this take a turn." A turn. Yeah. I leaned over to Phil and I said, "Give me a word, just one word, to describe it," because I couldn't read it right then. And he leaned over to me and he said. Is bullshit one word or two? <laughs> so that was, I saw literally within 24 hours, a fire and a conviction. Phil is a man who doesn't speak much, but when he finally gets to a point of, I cannot live with myself and do nothing less, yeah. um, that switch flipped that day. Yeah. 
we committed um, to, we went away for a weekend. And again, this is my husband's long suffering nature. He said, Jen, we're staying till Veterans Day. Yeah. Veterans Day is in November. Um, my dad fought in World War II. He fought ground combat. And I can't leave now. I cannot leave the people and not fight the war with my eyes fully open. I, I can't do it. We right. will stay till November and we will see what happens. Right. And he began being um, unreasonable Phil. Yeah. And he w- pointed out <laughs> errors. He regularly brought up um, just you know, I don't go into all the details, but just concerning sermons and messages and elders meetings. And it just on and on. He was like the redemptive, he called himself the redemptive pain in the ass. (laughs) And, um, I mean, I would imagine it's uh, like for, for him, it had to have been either I go this route or I will go insane or I have to quit this second. I mean, I I guarantee you there was no way he could carry himself any other way. Right. But the other mantra in, in his head was, I'm not, why would I quit? Right. I'm not the one who needs to quit. Right. So he, so he, he's German and he, (laughs) you know, that sheds, that sheds a lot of light because I'm sorry for interrupting. That sheds a lot, a lot of light on, you know, cause, cause it would be easy being outside of Mars Hill thinking, why are there people still hanging around there still on staff supporting this guy? You know, are they just doing it for a paycheck or are they, you know, what, what, what are they doing? But my gosh, first of all, if you have a pastoral heart, you don't want to leave the people that you love and have been taken care of. And then secondly, I mean, that's a perfect point that you just said. I mean, why would I leave? Why? Right. <laughs> I, I'm not doing anything wrong. Like somebody else needs to leave, not me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I will say it was just pure agony for both of us for many, many months because we saw this thing that we loved and and we both kept saying the story is often that it doesn't turn out well. And we were just hoping and maybe idealistically grasping for a a different ending, a redemptive ending that we could be a part of. And it just didn't happen. Yeah. So, um, in May of 2014, after, um, unrelentingly pushing on, on some content that Driscoll over a couple of weeks had preached on, um, he, Phil broke the hierarchy, which is you always can only speak to your next above supervisor. He broke the hierarchy and emailed, uh, one of the executive elders and said, who, who is holding Driscoll responsible for these words coming from the stage? And he got the, have you talked to your, have you talked to your local supervisor about this? Right. And that local supervisor that night came to his office and said, you got a decision to make. You either have got to pledge allegiance in writing um, to kind of basically mark the executive elders, whatever, or you're, you're just not on the team. And is that your choice of words, or did they actually say pledge allegiance? Um, I can't. Right, that's it, fine. It, no, it it was more a um, we need a statement of trust. Right. Was, at this point, it was so much about trust, and they, there was a lot of imputed trust, like because if your boss is trusting their boss, then that means you need to trust their boss right. also. Right. Imputed trust. It was maddening. 
All right. So your husband, longest standing member, along you know with 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 you, ten year employee, and basically was given that decision. And what, what did he respond with? Um, he said, "I'm I, I I'm not. I mean, I think it was then where they're like, well, I, I'm really not the one who needs to leave. Right. He that was a Wednesday. There was a series of a couple meetings with his with his supervisor. Um, he texted me on a Sunday and he said, Jen, I, I think he was feeling overwhelmed. Like uh, this is our community. This is our church. This is all our friends. This is our paycheck. This is our life. Right. I'm, wa- I'm, I'm wa- waffling on this. And what do you think? I want to care for you and our family. And I texted, I texted back four words that galvanized us and that forever in our marriage will cause us to chuckle. I texted him back and I said, make them fire you. Yeah. And because I was like, I, I, we've come this far. Yeah. And why would we back down yeah, now? I don't great. know. It's so it was, and he will say that he saw a strength in me that week that, um, really, you know, there, there was, it was beautiful. We yeah. worked together in a way, but I think had I not gone through the stripping of kind of my ego and my, Mars Hill love the the year prior. I yeah. don't know that I could have done that. So yeah. uh, it was it was cool. Um, yeah. In the end, we wouldn't have we would never would have left the people. So we see it in some ways as I was sitting in the back of the Ballard Building. So he's been fired. Two days later, he's in the middle of teaching classes, counseling couples. Um, told he cannot come back. He cannot speak to any of them they just get all of that just gets ceased in a day two days later they said come pack up your office and that morning he was going to go and I said I am coming with you like I want to support you and we sobbed for probably three hours packing books and packing his office that he'd been in for years and years and I went downstairs into the auditorium, the sanctuary, and it was pitch black. And there was one one door to the upstairs open, and light was flowing into it. My and I, I just really felt like God was saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm. Here's the light, and I'm, I am asking you to walk out the door. Yeah. And it was, it was His grace because we wouldn't have done it. We had to have been removed. Yeah. Because I don't know. Yeah. I, tr- I tremble thinking about that day. It was the pastor who fired Phil sat in the other room and, and didn't come speak with us at all. Yeah. Um, Mark or, or Grace at this point, she had cut me out of her life after the, the incident where I dared, I dared to speak to one of the three. So, um, I mean, I, if I pause for a moment, I will. It, it was the hardest day of our lives. Yeah. It yeah. was br- brutal. Yeah. Um, you invested and, everything. I mean. Yeah. And we couldn't even go to church that Sunday. Right. My kids had never known. So it's one of the points as a, as a woman that I've really wanted to address and why um, there was always this idea of oneness and that the man was the head and you guys – you know, this woman, all the women always needed covering and protection because angry, forceful men at Mars Hill were adored and embraced yeah. and emotional, mouthy women were not. Yeah. 
Wow. We, and I mouthy is like I, I'm actually strike that from the record. Right. Smart, smart, outspoken, thinking, emotional women were not. Right. Yep. And so that was rough, but I mean that that back. that falls to me in the same category of the disgust of seeing a dude that gets around as like a a a, a player and 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 but a girl that sleeps around as a slut. Yeah. I mean they're they're both doing the same thing. <laughs> Why does one of them get props and the other one gets scorned upon? Well, holy cow, you just like tapped into a whole other vein too then of it was so, I have so many snippets of things that I started to write as I was feeling all this angst. And one of them was women were not an afterthought. Yeah. And just that feeling of, it was so hard to be a strong woman in a church that prided itself on being a manly man's church. Right. It was brutal. So in, in fact, this is probably a whole nother conversation. I listened to partially one of your podcasts a while back where you had you know, really well-spoken, smart guy on that had written a book about men leaving the yeah, church or yeah. whatever. And it, um, while I agreed with some of it, it very much stirred up in me um, a lot of the same rhetoric that I heard that left women really in a bad place at Marcel. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Um, and and even that point you just you just made about being a woman who had had a past and a, and a sexual past and you know, both promiscuous and sexual abuse. And then you're in this culture where, where, you know, outspoken, arrogant men are appreciated. And, but those type of women are a danger. And clearly the man doesn't have his household in order. Right. It, It was just this constant confusion for me as a woman. And then as a visible leader, always feeling like, when are they going to figure out that, I'm dangerous in yeah. this in this position. So. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you, you will uh, you will sense the sarcasm in this question. But <laughs> so you guys, how how did they celebrate y'all's years at Mars Hill and send you off with a farewell party? Um, they didn't. Well, of, of course, like everything I've said, there's a bit of a story. They were when Phil was fired, he was told that he would be given severance. So when he went to his exit interview, um, that was happened with an intern, um, at Mars Hill, uh, corporate offices, you know, we'd been there for 20 years and the intern is sent in with Phil and, um, to say, okay, so we're going to give you severance slides a piece of paper across the table and says, just sign this first. Yeah. And it said, I, you know, uh, the non-disclosure stuff that's been brought into the light, probably the biggest for Phil being I'm, I'm leaving Mars Hill with no conflict. And he's like, are you kidding me? I, I was fired. I'm not signing that. Yeah. So it was a refusal to sign and a, okay, sorry, you, that, you know that means you're walking away from severance. And he said, yep. Golly. So we had no savings. We had no income. And we drove home with our minivan full of 10 years of books and <sighs> contents from his from our time there and we didn't know what we were going to do, but we knew beyond a shadow of a a doubt that we could not take that money. Yeah. Some friends of ours contacted us the next day and said, just trust us. Um, we want to love you guys. We want to help you guys. And we were 
utterly in physical and emotional shock and yeah. trauma. We were numb. And Phil's like, no way. Like, I, I don't know. And he, the friend said, please trust us. Please let us do this. Yeah. And so Phil's thinking, sure, if we get $1,000 to, you know, buy some groceries for a month to figure stuff out, great. Uh, they set up a GoFundMe that went live Sunday morning, June 1st. Prior to that, we had a knock on the door and someone handed us $1,600 cash and some flowers and people were showing up at our door and news was traveling. Um, and we, we didn't even know what Go, GoFundMe was. We weren't even looking at it, but we started getting all these texts like, your account is at 15 grand. It's at 20 grand. It's at 25 grand. And wow. Phil and I both said, please, like, please don't text us this. We can't even handle this because it was such grace in the midst of such grief and we didn't know what to do with it and we just we just said please don't we can't yeah and by the end of 48 hours they closed the account because it was it was at over fifty thousand dollars and we didn't we we couldn't we didn't even know what to do with that we didn't uh, but it was so overwhelming um and there were hundreds, honestly, to this day, I haven't been able to read what people wrote to us on the GoFundMe site because it's like such a solidification of the loss. Yeah. But it, I mean, and Phil keeps going, Jen, just read it. And because it's amazing, there were hundreds of people that, that we just, I'm sorry, no. that we just, that we loved, that we, opened our home to Phil never married a couple without us having them at least into our home. And yeah. they'd walk to the door and they'd be like, they'd act all starstruck because they'd seen us on stage. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. It's I'm so glad you're here because we're just us. We right. are nothing special. Right. And Mars Hill. Um, now I missed some details in there about, you know, them still getting called and saying, please reconsider Please think of your family. Reconsider signing this document so you can get severance. Yeah. It feels like forget it. And right. the GoFundMe closed. We'd between it and cash that we'd been given, we were probably at sixty thousand dollars. And that night, Mars Hill um, released a statement saying that they were going to pay Phil severance because really? they, yeah, wow. Um, so you guys were. We're at a yeah. at a decent place at that point as we far were, as not being, not thinking. I mean, you didn't have to worry about the thoughts of what are we going to do right now. Like you, you were okay. Right. We, Gosh. Were, we were almost to the, to within a few thousand dollars of one year annual salary. Yeah. That Phil received from Marcel. Yeah. I mean, it in that beautiful though. When you th- uh, obviously that's a that's a given. But if you think about how a church on the outside was dissolving and how uh, y'all's hearts were breaking. And yet you, you cannot destroy community. Like you cannot destroy love between people. I mean, that, that's just, you know, you, you, you look up Mars Hill church and it, there is a beginning and an end now. And yet there's family and community and friendships that is never going to be put to rest. I mean, that's just, it's beautiful. Oh, Absolutely. And it's overwhelming having been there from the beginning and being a leader. There was this real um, sense. I mean, I 
I knew and more accurately was known because I was kind of visible. Um, thousands of people, it wasn't sustainable, but there was, it was still very beautiful. And, but there was also in my thinking about it, you know, it was, it was unsustainable to, um, feel like you could be connected with or, or follow hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. It was humanly impossible. It was one of the setups of Mars Hill. You cannot say I love you on a screen to 15,000 people and have that be real love. We had a distorted, in some ways, there was real beautiful community and love that existed. And then there was also this very self-serving talk of love that, um, that was quite shallow and, 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 and um, selfish. Yeah. What? So, but I'm. Please don't hear that I'm taking away from the point that the, ch- the like the church, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters did their thing, right. and we no, I understand. loved and 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 I think that's why to this day I I, I still haven't read, and I'm going to soon. I yeah. still haven't read those words because it will be such a mo- um, moment of grieving and um, gratitude. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick, what what uh, what are you guys doing right now for income? Um, Phil was unemployed for 16 months. I went back to work right away because yeah. back to work. I hadn't worked in 20 years. Um, and a Mars Hill couple uh, hired me to be a receptionist. Nice. Uh, Phil looked for work um, and finally went back to teaching. He's a special ed teacher and he's damn good at it. Awesome. Um, really amazing. He he jokes often the you know his classroom is seven autistic s- students and um, it's no less important to God. He misses teaching. He yeah. he misses being a pastor. It's still a, a very very difficult point for him. And I work at a school too. On I I moved from my first job to working at a school so that we could have the same schedule, so that we could have some margin in our life, and so that we could create a life that didn't have to constantly be talking about Marcel. Yeah. Yeah. We have two kids. In, we have two boys in college. We have a girl, um, a daughter at a freshman at a local public school um, that we did on purpose. Like we're living outside the bubble. Yeah. Um, and figuring out life. Yeah. Um, well, la- the last question I have for you is, you know, so I, I'm I'm looking at it right now. The Trinity dot com, and you know, it's it's Mark Driscoll's new church seems to be you know, doing fairly well, what, what would you have to say or, or answer this any way you want? What sort of emotions do you feel towards leaders in capital C church? So, you know, uh, leaders all over the nation, maybe world that has given Mark Driscoll the thumbs up, supported him financially, basically said, yeah, man, we're, we're all for it. Let's, let's, let's get you back going. You know, we need you in ministry. So the door's open. Let's, let's get this thing done. Like here, this guy that, that we've been, you know, talking about and the, the church experience that you guys have had, he's, he's leading a church now. Yeah. Wow. I mean, a, a massive array of emotions. Um, I probably a year ago, I would have answered anger, um, is, is what I feel about it. And, 
I watched a couple of the intro videos and I just couldn't do it. Um, today I feel sadness mm -hmm. and I feel, um, a really burgeoning, um, commitment to speaking the truth and, and to, to reconciliation. Yeah. I asked for a meeting with Mark and Grace. I wrote them a letter. Um, I was told that because Phil was involved in the signing of the charges of the 21 elders that because my husband um, breached his end of the deal, basically, that I'm sorry for you, Jen, as the wife who has to bear this terrible burden but um, and be alone in this, but we can't meet with you because your husband um, didn't hold up his end of the bargain. Once again, just not treated as a human. Right. Not That's, that sounds secret society. That doesn't sound like yeah. friendship. I mean, did... Like, do you think deep down inside, I mean, the only thing that I can think of to to try to give them the benefit of the doubt is, do they think that having a conversation with you would hold back progress of what God wants to do in ministry? I obviously don't believe that, but do you think that's what they're thinking? Like, no, we got to keep going forward. There's too much opposition. The devil's against us, and we just got to keep going. We can't talk to, you know, people that have signed that. There's spiritual implications. I mean, I... I I think that's I think that's all pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, but I think it's so antithetical to the gospel and to yes. that I I just cannot stomach it and I I I won't um I won't stop hoping for I used to honestly have so many dreams and nightmares at night but the dreams the good ones were like from up above this visual of seeing. Um, in this secrecy of night, and then the dawn came of, yeah. of um, elder couples walking into Mark and Grace's old house. And I never saw the inside, but there's just this feeling of, what, you mean we're actually talking? Right. We, we, we aren't just leaving it at this. And you know what? There are, I, I, I told you, I don't know if it was when we were recording or not, I told you that I really truly believe our country is so divided. Reconciliation is a term that is straight from the Bible. And I think it's pathetic and grievous and sad and cowardly of us as Christians that we can't meet in a room and talk about this. There was never the opportunity at Mars Hill to pause, pray and look back and rejoice and grieve at what went well and what didn't go well. Yeah. It was always a pressing forward and it's so arrogant and unrealistic. And at this point, I, I feel conflicted of, oh, Mars Hill was so long ago. And then I come back to this place of, why are we not talking about this? Right. Why is the big church, C church not talking about this? I'd love more than anything to have 10 minutes with one of the, pastors in Texas that has, and just to say, can you help me understand? Right. Can you hear from me? Right. Um, I'd like to do that of some of my very good friends that are pastors at some of the, you know, replants out of Mars Hill. Why are we not truly and humbly admitting what was great and terrible about Mars Hill because the world looks at it and just scoffs yeah. or laughs or rejoices in, well, there's just another story of a f***ed up church. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, uh, you know, from a, you know, let's get real spiritual here, do you think Mark Driscoll needs repentance? Like, would you have any problem with saying, 
in my best calculation, my best assessment, assessment, the dude needs that. Um, I wouldn't. I I won't say that yeah. because I believe that is between he and God. Yeah. I will say that there are destroyed relationships, that there are damaged hearts, that there are hurting people that he and Grace walked away from here. And I believe it would show a truly changed man and woman and um, a true heart of the gospel if they actually would, whether in private or publicly, and because I am who I am, I would prefer it to happen and then be spoken to the world that they would that they that that we could come together as the family of God and figure some stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. The phrase I hate the phrase post Marcel of someone's in sin. Like right. are you kidding me? We're all for believers. We're we're in Christ, but we're also in sin. When right. people pull that phrase out, I just I, I just want to vomit. But yeah. um so yeah, those those are those are some of my thoughts. And I don't know what my part in it is. Um, and Phil and I have different ideas about that, but I am kind of done with, um, being silent and I, I have a part to own in this too. So, yep. Well, uh, fortunately and unfortunately, I would say fortunately, like the, the, the role that you guys as, as people who can speak with experience and credibility about what went on, you know, Mars Hill, that is a a worthy role just to be able to speak because I think it gives a voice to you know other people that are hurt and uh, and and just opens the door for people to understand maybe even gives some lessons to all of us but then I would say unfortunately what could be done by you guys speaking out is always going to be limited by what other people are willing to receive and and do on behalf like to me it's the most insane thought ever that you guys Phil Jen and the list goes on are not the ones that people are talking to in order to assess whether or not this guy can lead a church i mean that that to me is the most devastating thing about all of this is that the, the people that were on the very inside of leading Mars Hill Church are the ones that were not talked to. I mean, yeah. it, it, unless unless I'm off, I don't think any any of those people, any of those leaders and elders, their opinions weren't weighed out with with this. And and to, that's that's arrogance at at the highest level for someone, you know, a big shot pastor to be able to say, yeah, I've made my assessment and he's he's fit for ministry again. I mean, that just blows my mind. But that's my little yeah. soapbox. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. it it's <clears throat> validating because I vacillate between, well, who am I? Right. You know, to dang it. I lived it. Right. I I. For good and for bad, I saw it and, and I participated and I, you know, I mean, I sent you that that kind of article that I wrote about yeah. my repentance. And even since then, I've been like, but I tend to over own things yeah. like I want to own my part. But when other people won't, I it's just I don't know. I'm I'm truly baffled at this point in my journey. Um the mystery of God is far more vast to yeah. me 
and the mystery of God's people is far more vast yeah. to me also yeah. in a very um, painful and hopeful way. Right. Awesome. Well, Jen, thanks. I really do appreciate it. I think it's, uh, I think it's good to, uh, that more people are open. So appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care, Joey. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Pastor With No Answers. If you enjoyed it and want to hear more about us, go to pastorwithnoanswers.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Twitter through this website. There's also a separate discussion group that I do not manage. And there's a place to contribute. All of that through pastorwithnoanswers.com. <laughs>